Hi everybody and welcome to episode 5 of the Threads of Autism podcast. Today's episode is titled Language Matters or Does It? A few of you might be thinking, hang on a minute, um, since my previous episode I did mention I would be talking about school visits, specifically specialist school visits today and how to go about that process, what to expect, questions you might want to think about asking and I haven't forgotten, I've just decided to push that one back a bit and take a break from the sort of very parent of an autistic child specific topics that um, can get a bit techy here and there. I, I am aware that there are quite a few people out there who are listening to this who do not have autistic children and it absolutely blows me away. I mean, I'm, I can't tell you how grateful I am, how excited I am because that's exactly what I want, you know the awareness needs to be raised in the general public. And if I can do that through my friends far and wide who, who don't see me that often even and, and who simply know of, of Henry and his autism, um, gosh, it just makes such a difference, you know, um, to, to know that they're willing to learn and understand and will have those conversations in their own homes um, is, is amazing. And so I really, really strongly recommend any parents of autistic children listening to this podcast to share it far and wide, even with people who do not have their own personal connection to autism, because we want them to listen and we want them to enjoy it. And and so far, I haven't had any complaints, <laughs> although <laughs> I suspect some of my friends are purely listening to hear me make a complete blunder. Um, you know, tactless Trish um, is my usual personality type. <laughs> Um, or swear or do something drastic but yeah hey keep listening it, it, it might come you never know <laughs> so right back to language matters or does it there is a classic sort of conversation killer that happens with me relatively often and I'm not sure if other parents of autistic children find this it happens to them too um, but it'll basically go, go something like this so you're out and about in the park or wherever and you meet someone you don't know and you know your child is with you so in my case Henry and um, you know they might have already said hello to Henry or, and their child is nearby and Henry obviously hasn't responded and they're kind of I mean in today's world people are a bit like mm, okay you know sometimes they're a bit odd but they're, they're over that and, and now that he's older they certainly get that something's up um, but it would typically go like you know me saying oh hi this is Henry he is autistic and then let's call her Jane. Jane will go, oh, oh, that's that's great. Uh, that's okay. Does he, um, which school does he go to? Does, does he go to, a, you know, specialist school? And I'll go, he's, he's non-speaking, non-verbal. So yes, he attends a autism specialist school. And then Jane will go, oh, you know, we might have a to and fro about where that school is and what it's called and whether she's heard of it or not. Um, and then she will sort of, you know, end up going something like Jane will say, um, so, so Henry is, um, he's happy at his school. He, he likes it. And I'll go, uh, I don't know. He can't tell me. And then Jane goes, ah, she either legs it, conversation dead ended, or she changes topic. So somehow I have made her feel bad. I mean, do other parents find that? <laughs> You know, it's just crazy, but I can't, like, I genuinely, okay, I, I could possibly read around Henry's body language as to whether, in very broad, general terms, he's happy. I mean, I'd, you know, if you wanted me to answer that, 
on the broader spectrum of things. No, I don't think he loves school. Um, he's accepted it and he knows he has to go and it is what it is. And I'm sure there are elements of his day, certain days or every day that he really does enjoy. But I wouldn't actually know because he genuinely <laughs> can't tell me. So it's the truth. Yeah, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. Like, why why, why do people interpret that? That's like, I'm, I'm wanting the penny to drop. He's non-verbal autistic, okay? So whilst you've already judged the fact that he hasn't said hello, um, <laughs> yeah, non-verbal. I, I don't think it sinks in sometimes. Um, and I often wonder if they perhaps I mean, go home and sort of think, you know, I wonder if my, how my day would go if my child didn't, speak with words to me like didn't communicate or answer any of my questions so so I'll tell you how it'll go yeah this would be me with Henry morning how did you sleep zip what do you want on your toast zip have you been to the toilet zip are you ready for school zip are you happy Zip. What do you want for your birthday? Zip. What's mummy's name? Zip. How old are you, Henry? Zip. Where do you live? Zip. Baby, tell me, where does it hurt? Zip. Quite impactful, isn't it? <laughs> And it actually, it even sounds weird to me now and impactful to me because I don't know, I don't know how to describe this, but that isn't what my day is like with Henry because this episode is about language and that's exactly it. He does communicate with me. He just doesn't use words and language and I'm not some sort of voodoo specialist. I haven't had to go on courses. We don't use a particular method. I mean, not for lack of trying. We've tried picture exchange communication which is called PECS and visual cues and charts and Makaton which is like a type of signing and none of those work with Henry I mean he he basically is saying the words in his head and telling them to me through his eyes and I think he genuinely thinks I know exactly what those words are which I <laughs> definitely don't but like any parent you you know, your focus is on getting your child's needs met and around those daily routines. Um, I, I have learned to just be incredibly in tune with, with Henry and the things he does with his body. He gestures a lot. He makes noises. He averts his eyes. He looks at things. He, um, he moves in certain ways. And, and I just, you know, through, through sheer experience and, and years and years of being at this, that, that's how it is. I mean, I know, I just, I know more than anyone else in the family because I am the main caregiver and I've really tapped into his personality, you know, and who, who he is. Um, so that's, that's how that works. And I mean, the thought of my older two children not answering all those questions I've just listed seems absolutely mad to me. So... <laughs> So, yeah, you know, um, whilst I'm harping on about, you know, people who don't know much about autism and um, the things they say, um, I might I might just give you a few tips, you know, just one to five. I won't go, you know, into loads and loads, even though I'm sure there are. And I'm sure many parents of autistic children out there have got many to tell. 
Um, just going to, you know, highlight one to five of things you perhaps shouldn't really say to the parent of an autistic child. <laughs> and again, please don't take offense. I'm not shouting at you. I'm not like throwing the book at you. Um, I honestly, I think most of us parents of autistic children are pretty cynical. Um, most of us find it actually amusing and we are certainly not offended. Um, I for one would rather the person ask a question the wrong way than not ask a question at all. And, um, you know, th this is how, I mean, we, we all do it, you know, uh, if the shoe were on the other foot, I would, I would definitely be doing the same thing, you know, a, a, you know, young couple have been together for four or five years, what do we all do? So, you know, any ring on the finger yet? I mean, how do we know? <laughs> how do we know? Maybe she's already expressed she never wants to get married. Maybe they don't believe in it. Maybe, but we will say it, you know, then they do get married. Then it's like, mm, so when are the babies coming? I mean, again, that's a very not cool thing to say because <laughs> you don't know. Maybe they're trying and can't. Maybe they have already been told they'll never have children. Maybe they don't want any children and that's also fine. Yeah. So, um, so here goes. I mean, this, this one's classic because a friend of mine in South Africa said it to me and he's such a gem and, um, I, I love thinking about it because it's quite funny. And <laughs> he said, okay, so on a scale of one to 10, how bad is he trash? <laughs> how bad is my son on a scale of one to 10? Okay. Um, <laughs> I guess the positive thing is that he's, he's aware that there's a kind of spectrum there. And, you know, the weird thing is I wanted to know initially with Henry, I, I, I wanted somebody to go, okay, this is the line and he's number two, like some sort of finality. That's where he is. And this is the deal. And this is what you've got, you know, and nothing could be further from the truth. Even if you went on a scale, it would be a different score for different areas of that child's personality, number one. And abilities number two it's going to change as they develop just because your child is autistic doesn't mean they aren't going to develop they've got a whole journey of development ahead of them and they might reach exactly the same levels in adulthood that their peers do but it just took them longer like so they didn't speak until they were seven or they couldn't attend a birthday party until they were nine okay you know they're still on a journey so, so yeah, it's probably not that cool <laughs> to say on a scale of one to 10, how bad is he? Yeah. Okay. Or she, um, the other one is, um, if it's come up in conversation around the table uh, about a particular difficulty or a struggle, people were like often in, 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 our, in my age bracket, you know, the <clears throat> 50 pluses, um, with older children who, who long since, you know, had to deal with sleepless nights. Um, and, and the sleep deprivation will come into it. And, and then people will go, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I am then expected to very politely be thankful for that apology of theirs about how sorry they are for who, for what, for me, for my, for my, you know, that's absolutely ridiculous. Do not apologize to me about my son. Like, I'm not sorry. And nor should you be. Um, but of course, I don't really get to say that. So this is just a heads up. Don't, don't say sorry. You know, I'm sorry, you've got this lot in life. Um, and uh, what's another one? Number three. Oh, oh yes. Oh, my sister's cousin's son is autistic. Hmm. Okay, great. So now 
Now it's all about me asking questions about your sister's cousin's son and his autism, which I probably already know or can probably relate to or is vastly different from my own son. You are not asking me any questions about my son and his autism because each and every person who is autistic is different. Um, so yeah, okay, not, you know, that's lovely, but would try and remember to come back to, to asking about the actual child. <laughs> such a cow okay and then number four um ah oh, well yes they're they're really um you know they're meant to be extremely clever like genius level of things like art and maths and you know very um specific special interests does your son does your son have any of those uh <clears throat> no no uh no not not so not showing any math skills mm. We're trying to, you know, rave up the art a little bit, um, those squiggles, and um, yeah, no, no special interests. <laughs> okay, the chances of an autistic individual being savant, which is what they call it, not genius, is like one in I don't know how many million. It's, it's probably the same stats as the chance of a neurotypical child being termed IQ-wise a genius. Okay, so don't, like, no. Uh, and number five, to finish off... Um, Oh, like if I'm on holiday with friends and family um, and, and Henry's, you know, cool and, and, get, and enjoying his day or whatever, he's t totally chilled with people around, um, it'll be, oh, Trish, he seems absolutely fine. He's fine. He's great. I mean, just, you know, come, sit, relax, chill. Oh, uh, he is fine because I am heavily curating his behaviors. I do, know, do not want my friends and family to see Henry dysregulated or worse, you know, struggling with his environments, approaching a meltdown or whatever. I, I don't want them to see that. And, and so I am hypervigilant when friends and family are around because I have to be. It's what is required to, A, spend a bit of time with the friends and family without Henry becoming dysregulated like allowing Henry to know that I haven't forgotten about him and yes I'm a bit distracted but I am on top of his every movement every nanosecond every meal snack mouthful of water toilet need everything on top of everything else that's going on yeah and I'm acutely aware that he is taking on an extra strain dealing with the environment as well so um thank you but <laughs> It takes a lot of hard work for him to just be fine, and please don't tell me to relax, okay? <laughs> right, I'm going to shut up there now. Um, just to say, you know, now if I have if I haven't put off the people who don't have autistic children, well, well, now I have. But um, <laughs> for those of you who who are prepared to persevere um, and continue to listen and and enjoy the episodes, please do visit the website because again, on the website are products for people who have no connection to autism. There are some wonderful fashion t-shirts and tops with generic slogans that we can all resonate to. I think they're pretty cool. Um, I love wearing them. My family loves wearing them and friends. And you will know that through every purchase you've made, you have directly donated to an autism charity. And I mean, how amazing is that? And you know what? If you or your child is in some really cool t-shirt that you can't get on the high street or an H&M or Zara, um, and they go, wow, that's a cool t-shirt. Then you can start a conversation. Wouldn't that be amazing? Right. 
So another very important thing to mention here is that just because my son Henry is highly autistic, and I'll come back to that word highly again, people, it's all about language. It's my new one, highly. I'm going to throw it out there to the world, the new, the new way to go to describe children like Henry, highly autistic, not profound, not severe, highly autistic. Okay, so I'll come back to that in a second. But you know, just because he is highly autistic and goes to a specialist school doesn't make my life so much more complicated and harder than another parent of an autistic child who perhaps is verbal and in a mainstream school. Okay, they the journeys are equally challenging and tough for parents. Henry being highly autistic does not make my journey any harder. In fact, in some respects, it makes it easier. Um, I'm not sure you'll understand that, but it does. And so I just want to say to parents out there who are listening to this podcast, who are thinking, oh, you know, I, I, I shouldn't be so down on myself or consumed by my own struggles and stress and the way people judge my son when, when look what she goes through. Hers is way, you know, no, 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 no. Please don't do that because it's not true. And, and on the flip side, you know, um, just because Henry doesn't communicate with words doesn't mean that a parent of an autistic child who is verbal has it so much easier either, you know, because their brains are wired differently. They do not think, speak the same way that we do. Their, their perspectives are extremely difficult to change because that is the way their brain works. They can't put themselves in our brains or especially not when they're young, you know, differentiate and, and, and all those basic things like negotiation and in a conversation, if, if they are fixated on an issue and, and you can't resolve it and explain it and give them the factual evidence they need, I mean, I, I've seen it with friends of ours on holiday and their sons. It's, it's, whew, it's a lot, you know. <laughs> it's fascinating and it's so different. But, it, it, you know, if you look at it from my perspective, I'm thinking, well, mine's so much easier because I don't have to explain anything, okay? I might have to read into his reactions and help settle things down but I don't have to you know yeah I don't have to try and sort of it's, I mean I argue is not the right word you know reason with a, a verbally autistic child whose brain is wired totally differently to mine and who is verbalizing things that I'm really struggling to get that child to see my perspective with you know so so yeah so if you think about it and this is quite quite an alarming thing really you know the statistics around how much neurotypical people actually communicate with words and language and words is tiny it's like less than 40 percent probably around the 30 percent mark so that's quite a interesting fact so much of what we communicate to each other is not actually with words way more than half then you think about an autistic person who's going to have difficulties with social communication, social imagination, and social interaction. That's where all that non-spoken communication comes in, and that's where the difficulties often lie. So whether they're verbal or not is just a tiny little side piece, you know, I mean, just think about it. How often do we say things 
we don't mean and mean things we don't say. Yeah, you can think of so many examples, like 50 times a day almost, you know. And then you think about all that subtle nuances, your body languages, your eye contact, your expressions, your intonations, your exclamations, your social norms. Those are the things that the autistic individual really struggles with in varying degrees. So it's not about the words, <laughs> which is quite fascinating, really. Um and I guess the overriding message is to always, always assume competence. I don't know how I can impress upon this more. You know, my son on paper cannot read or write. I'm not sure that's entirely true. Um, he does not communicate or speak. And he is the most intelligent person I know. And he absolutely listens, understands, knows when he is being spoken about in a room. And he does not like it. Um, always, always assume competence, no matter who you are dealing with as an autistic individual, because it's true. It's just true. So whilst I've said we don't really need words, <laughs> I'll now go back to the words that you do need. So more specifically around the lingo um, and addressing people who are autistic. So um, I kind of you know, it used to upset me because I felt like, well, in, so much is changing around the language that we use. And it's such a good thing because finally we are listening to the voices of actually autistic people about how they like to be addressed, about how they feel. Some of the words out there that are used to describe them and their autism are so bad. And so we're having to relearn a lot of things and it's very confusing and the downside of that all is that for people not in this world, it kind of pushes them away. They sort of feel on the back foot. They feel even more uncertain. They don't want to offend. They don't know where to start. So they just don't pipe up. And then you get no question and no conversation started. So, so very basically, you know, um, we don't sort of say, my child has autism anymore, you know. Um, there are people out there who prefer person-first language, so I hope I don't get this wrong. <laughs> I am an autistic person, and there are people who prefer the other one that I can't remember off my head, which is I am a person who is autistic. So first and foremost, I am a person, and I am autistic, yeah? Or it's, I am an autistic person. Autism is part of who I am, and it always will be. So that's wonderful. It's why we no longer say, I, my, my child has autism. Okay, so to the bulk of parents who are spending their days on the phone trying to get their child's needs met and chasing paperwork and fighting for speech and language therapy or a one-to-one -one assistant, they couldn't be bothered which word you're using. Yeah, but if it comes down to a one-on-one, -on -one, basis. I think it's really important for us to all be mindful of it. Everybody deserves to be referred to in exactly the way they choose. If I don't want to be called Mrs., I tell someone, please don't call me Mrs. O'Dwyer. I'm just Trish. You know, why is this any different? And sure, you know, my son has autism brings about sort of negative connotations as if it's some sort of, you know, baggage and attachment and like medical disease condition, whatever, you know. Um, 
it's 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 fundamental to who he is. So I totally get that. Um, and and I'm asking the actually autistic community to be patient with us and to also not feel bad about correcting people in 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 the most polite way that you can because we are so confused and we don't really know and everybody makes mistakes, you know. Um, um, increasingly, you know, um, also words that are changing all the time. I, I am not an autism parent. I am the parent of an autistic child. Um, I'm definitely not an autism mum anymore, apparently. And and I get that. It's it's right, you know. Um, we must listen and 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 adapt. And I want to do it. I mean, my son is not yet able to tell tell me what he prefers, but I feel like it's important to get it right for for others. And, and I'm so happy and willing to learn things like, you know, not mentioning the word, there's so much negative connotation and, and it comes from a place of kind of fear and concern and uncertainty. And it's all around that diagnosis and all the criteria involved in getting that diagnosis, the way things have been so badly worded in the past, you know, the assumption that it's like some sort of mega verdict or judgment when actually it's not that it's a it's a developmental journey it's not a verdict and it's not like oh your child is autism boom 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 you know i mean that that's <laughs> all these words behaviors um exposing we used to sort of sort of say out there look it's really important to expose your child to the world well do we have to use the word expose you know same thing my child is obsessions rather than passions what, you know, why do we say these negative things, interventions, all these, you know, and, and I can see where it comes from as well, because, you know, from those legally binding jolly documents, your IEP or EHCP, where um, it's basically all about what your child cannot do, according to peers of his or her own age. So that doesn't help, although luckily nowadays, they are also legally required to you know, highlight strengths, the strengths of the individual. But there's a big difference between strengths on a piece of paper and, you know, utilizing and getting the best of those strengths and developing those strengths day to day. Um, and I am bleating on about this because um, it's actually not my words. It is from a fantastic podcast I listened to recently. The podcast is called Uniquely Human. Um, with two guys who presenters who have got wonderful voices and are so incredible. One is autistic himself. The other is, a, oh my gosh, you know, highly acclaimed professional, Barry Prezant. And the title of this episode is called Autism is a Journey, Not a Verdict. And I just loved it. It's got an hour and 10 minutes. So, so go and have a listen if you, if you get a chance. Really, really fabulous. And that is it. I'm going to wrap it up and um, have a great couple of weeks. And I look forward to the next episode, as usual. And don't forget, your child is exactly who they are meant to be. And you are not alone. <laughs>